Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّ الْمُلُوكَ إِذَا دَخَلُوا قَرِيَةً أَفْسَدُوهَا وَجَعَلُوا أَعِزَّةَ أَهْلِهَا أَذِلَّةً وَكَذَلِكَ يَفْعَلُونَ This is a, one of the verses uh, uh, which is part of the, the narrative on the discussion between, uh, the correspondence between Sulaiman salam and the Queen of Sheba Bilqis. And one of the statements that's made in this dialogue is what Bilqis says, this is a statement she make, makes to her courtiers as she is making, as she is having a discussion with them about what to do. So this is what she's, this is what she says when discussing with uh, Sulaiman uh, sorry, um, Sulaiman salam had told her to come and submit. So the whole story was quite simple about Hudhud, the Hupe, who'd gone and dis- disappeared and had come upon this kingdom, and he came back and gave details of it to Sulaiman salam. Sulaiman salam said, "Well, uh, she should come." Tuni Muslimin. He wrote a letter to her. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Allah Taalu Alayya wa Tuni Muslimin. Very short letter. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Don't try to overcome me. Just come to me in submission. Simple. So, she is now making a discussion as to what their response should be. So she says that in the midst of that discussion, this point comes up, that verily when kings... Sovereigns, rulers, when they enter into any area, they will lay it down to waste. They will totally destroy it. Afsaduha. They will totally destroy it, annihilate it. And Wajalu Aizata Ahliha Adilla. And they, they will make the noble people of that area, they will make them and put them down, they will degrade them and make them into the humiliated. So Although that's uh, been related in this particular context, Mawlana Shavali Thanwi, he takes some very interesting, subtle points from the Quran. That's why it's actually been translated into English as well, one of his collections on this topic. Although that one's primarily based on hadith, where he's established most of the points that Sufis will use throughout their concepts, their procedures, their. Uh, methodologies he'll he's proven that through hadith he's shown how it's so he uses this verse to say that although this is speaking about kings kings have power this is talking about something powerful so if you conceptualize it to the basic level it's talking about some power some form of power coming in and just totally anything that is considered to be respectable uh Obviously, whatever is respectable is something of perspective, somebody's perspective that this is respectable. Uh, somebody might have someone who's respectable according to them, and yet other people will not consider that person respectable. In the drug dealing kingdom, you've got uh, the drug dealers who are considered to be very honorable and respectable to the people lower down, but obviously for the authorities and for general people, they will think that this is the most despicable people. So he's using it, he's, he's taking it down to its bare conceptual level that when some kind of power come in, comes in, then it will lay everything to waste and it will take what you would have considered to be noble and it would have made that to be despicable. 
So then he says, this is the same thing. Uh, he, I can see in this the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing the same thing. The love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so powerful that when it comes into any heart. So he says the kingdom here is the heart, the, the dunya of the heart, alam al-dunya, which is alam al-qalb. It will come in there and it will lay everything to waste. And it will take whatever you consider to be noble uh, right now away from the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It will make that totally despicable in your sight. So very interestingly, he reckons that love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one of those alchemies. That once you develop that love to a true level, then it will govern everything and it will correct everything in your heart. And that's why it will take care of everything. Because it will take care of one of the big things. Have you seen the one who has taken his lower self, the ego, the, the desire, as his God, as his deity, as his object object of worship, ilah. Ilah is someone that you resort to in every aspect. Now, this obviously describes you know majority of us. At some level. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused him to deviate despite the fact that he has knowledge. Because the nafs is of that nature. That it, it manages to overcome your intellectual self. The desire you know intellectually, rationally thinking about it, you know this is wrong. But then the nafs is so powerful that it actually takes over. And then eventually, وَخَتَمَ عَلَى سَمْعِهِ وَقَلْبِهِ Eventually that leads to a seal over the heart. فَمَنْ يَهْدِيهِ مِنْ بَعْدِ اللَّهِ If Allah is not going to guide him, who can guide him? So what this verse tells us and many other verses like that in the Quran that the only resort we have against our nafs etc is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the more Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes into our heart then it will lay all of this to waste as much as we bring him in this is how much it will lay everything else to waste so this is kind of a continuation of what we spoke last week that's why one of the this was the emphasis of Maulana Shavali Thanwi in his tasawwuf. The greatest emphasis was obviously love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and one of the second points was um, character, social character, social etiquette. This was a very big theme. Every sheikh will have a different theme. Um, they, they will all, any sheikh in the path of the soul should speak about the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no doubt about that. But then they will, because of certain experiences that they've had they will then focus on certain aspects that accompany the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that complement the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's impossible for anybody to speak about everything. Only the Prophet did that. He was the most comprehensive personality that dealt with everything. Generally, with everybody else, their focus is going to be on certain other aspects, including the main theme of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and drawing closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if you look um, at... Different mashayikh, for example, if you look at Hakim Akhtar Sahib, rahmatullahi, who just passed away recently, his focus uh, was on, he, he reckoned that one of the major problems of the world today, which it is, and nobody can deny it, is, um, you can say, the evil eye. The, not in terms of al-ayn, but in terms of not what you're affected by, but what you affect yourself with by looking at the haram. So his thing was about, Badr Nazri as he called it, which is just to look at the bad 
And subhanAllah <coughs> it is And it's increasing more and more and more and more Day in and day out And it's only going to get worse Because the availability is only worse I was just reading a report uh, I was just reading a report on it's, it's on BBC Today I think The porn industry is complaining That Google etc. doesn't do enough To direct people to the legitimate sites Where they have to pay But they get it for free so everything that they make is immediately, uh, is immediately what you call it, uh, copied, copied and put up elsewhere. Whereas the film industry and so on, they've they've had a lot of lobbying. They've had a lot of lobbying, and because of that, if you go to search for a watch a movie, and it gives an example as well. If you go to watch a certain movie, rather than show you the sites where it's downloadable for free, um, the, which are illegal. It will now start giving you where it's legally uh, paid uh, paid places, and the porn industry is now complaining that we're not seen as legitimate businesses, respectable individuals. We're seen as commodities. Well, you've made yourself commodities, and they're complaining about that. It's just all uh, a whole gimmick in the in the whole thing. So it's only going to get easier. And then when you go into the 3D world, and this is quite scary, when you go into the whole uh, 3D world that's taking place, uh, the, all the technology that's taking place to make things seem fully realistic. You know, so far we have the Wii, but things have gone way beyond the Wii where, you know, you can just move around and do things. You can actually now start feeling these things. So you can actually start feeling interactions with your hands, with your eyes, with, with your ears. You can actually start feeling these with sensors that they'll put on you. And they've had, had a discussion about what that's going to do for the porn industry. Is that it's going to become realistic You're going to have what you want And it will be realistic right? So it's only going to get worse What the world is going to get to I don't know But this is Mona, uh, um, Hakim Akhtar he, he force, He's foreseeing all of this And that's his main focus is that uh, 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 Our Hazrat Mona Yusuf Mutala Sahib His whole focus is the love of Rasulullah So that dominates Whenever he speaks he speaks about his Shaykh, Shaykh Zakari Rahmatullah and he speaks about the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to such an extent that he says that in the hereafter if we don't, if we don't act rightly in this world etc in the hereafter how are we going to show our face to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam so he always mentions Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam first of course we're going to have to show our face to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala as well but there is also this that we're going to have to show our face to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So how are we going to show our face to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam? That just takes care of everything. That if he turns his face away, then what's going to happen? So he's got a dominance of the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Just amazing. That's his dominance. Of course, that came a lot from Sheikh Zakaria rahmatullahi as well. So you have different mashayikh that have a different focus. So it depends on the time and the situation. And what's the involvement and so on You have some mashayikh who will be then more focused on Because they, you know, they'll be more focused on dealing with a particular type of crowd then Those people will find a lot of congeniality And that's why there are so many mashayikh in the world And you have to find one that you are congenial with That can, you can relate to and that can relate to you Because if you're in an academic vocation or you're in an engineering vocation, or you are in the teaching vocation, and you're going to someone who's in a different vocation, and he doesn't really understand your field. So, whatever we do in our life, whatever we do in our life, is going to have a great bearing on our 
relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the path of suluk. So although the path of suluk may seem independent, it's affected by everything we do in our life. It's affected by everything we do in our life. So you might want to do something in your field. So that's why you need that congeniality. That's why it's very important. Now, Mawlana Shavali Thanwi was not in the academic world at all in terms of, you know, the, uh, he was a great academic in his own right. But then you had some of the greatest thinkers of that day come to uh, Mawlana Shavali Thanwi. If not earlier on in their life, but definitely later on in their life. Some of the greatest, greatest thinkers of the subcontinent went to him eventually. You know, when they first, when mortality hits you, then you start getting worried. When, when you start realizing, I'm going to die one day, then you start going to. So with Mawlana Shavali Thanwi, what happened is that some of the greatest of the people, I mean, we're talking about principles of Darlum Deoban, Qadi Tayyib Sahib, to Allama Sayyid Sulaiman Nadwi, some of the greatest thinkers of the time, uh, Abdul Majid Daryabadi, who had actually become apostate to a certain degree because he'd been highly influenced in in the middle of his life then he later came back and then he wrote the, uh, his english uh, translation and uh, kind of comments on the quran so you had some of the greatest muftis that come to him because Mawlana Shavali Thanwi was a faqih he was a jurist that's why he has a collection of fatawa he was a hadith scholar tasawwuf scholar and a great thinker so then that's why he was able to draw these different types of people. They could all find something in him. That's the way these things work. And then you also have some amazing in, in individuals who don't necessarily come from a very strong ilmi background, but then they're able to understand the demands of those backgrounds. So then people turn to them. So it's it's just really interesting then there's obviously the a matter of the qubuliyat of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on but what you do need is you need somebody you can speak to because it's not just a it's not just a silent relationship you'll benefit but it's not just a silent relationship you have to speak about uh, what's going on and how that can help you because everything that we do definitely does have some kind of effect on us so Hazrat Mawlana Shabri Thanwi, he had one of the, he had this Khalifa, one of his uh, very close students. One day this particular Khalifa of his, he was also a poet. So he says, he comes with a poem, he says, Har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi, ab to aja, ab to khalwat ho gayi. Now in simplistic sense, it's so simple this is. It's a very simple phrase, which is, Every desire of the heart has now disappeared, has gone, has waned, has finished, emptied. Now come in. Now there is solitude. There's, in, there's privacy now. So this is dealing with the whole concept of love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on many different levels. First, it's incorporating within it the fact that you can't, you can't claim to love something or someone if you don't give them your full heart. If you've got other things that you're also looking out to, that's why you, you can't do that. You can't, it's not going to work. Especially if the one you're claiming to love has full knowledge of everything. That makes it even more difficult. 
one is that you can in this world claim to someone else I love you, I love you and out, uh, in, uh, inwardly be thinking something else but with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you can't so it has to be an honest love it has to be a genuine love and to have a genuine love you have to, we have to work on ourselves to, uh, to clean everything out so then when he's saying har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho it's gone a guy some 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 person his wife is asking a bit you know asking her husband about do you love me more than anybody else in the world they like to be reassured sometimes so he says i love you're like the sim card to my phone that was his example now, how many SIM cards do you generally have in a phone? One. But in India, Pakistan, they like two SIM cards in a phone. Right? So you have uh, Samsung actually even makes these phones in India. They only make for India, which have two SIM cards in there. Now, poor woman, she didn't know that. So he, his, he, tells, he tells an honest opinion, which for her means, yeah, subhanAllah, there's only one SIM card in a phone. You know? Whereas his idea is that now you can get two SIM card phones as well. right? So it's okay. You can't do that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can placate somebody else, convince somebody else with, 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 you know, if you're clever, the way you do things. But you can't do that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when he says, Har tamanna dil se ho gai, He must have worked hard to get to that level. Abdaja, now come in. Now you can come in. There's no excuse now. I've done what you want me to do. Ab ho gai. Now there is no, so to further emphasize, now there's no one else. Now it's total privacy it's total intimacy it's just you and i it's just that's it now you're you're there so when hazrat monashavari tanvi understood that you know the higher you are the more value you'll have for these things so he he understood where now his student was also a very high level khaja madzub his name was so he said if i had a ek lakh rupiah a hundred thousand rupees in those days were much more than today today the value has gone down one lakh rupiah is one thousand pounds today. It's not much. Those days it was much more. I would have given it to him for saying this, for hitting the nail on the head so particularly, so perfectly. So when a person does love, so one is that you know we've described the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Now let's try to understand the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, which is to gauge ourselves from the signs of the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So the ulama they've written these are the signs of the love of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You can only claim to love someone if you have the following signs. A person misses Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you ever miss doing something for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? When's the next salat time? Oh, you know what? I haven't done dhikr for a while. Let me do dhikr. Meaning, I've been involved in some work. I'm not, I'm not saying for days and days. That's still a good. That's still you're missing him eventually. It's still good. But what I'm talking about is that we were involved in a phone call or something. I haven't done that. You know, let me remember him again. It's like I was on the phone to someone I love, for example, and then I get another call, right? Which engages me for a while. It took 15 minutes of my time, 20 minutes of my time, right? And then as soon as I put it down, immediately the thought of the other person should come in my mind. I need to carry on my discussion with them. This guy bothered me. In between, this guy disturbed me in between. That kind of a feeling. Now, just because that seems so far-fetched to us, it doesn't mean that we don't pursue it. It's only gonna. You can only get these things bit by bit. It's you develop them like that. 
So a person is always restless and wants to always be engaged with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at some level. So where are we in this regard? Number two is kathratu sujood. One of the highest expressions of honoring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love for Him is in prostration. In fact, when a person does that, it's just a human feeling because you've put your head and your mind down. It's beneath your back now. So physically speaking, you have lowered yourself to the lowest of the low because one of the most noble parts of the human being is the face, is the head and the heart. So the heart still stays at the top in that case, but you've lowered yourself down right to the ground. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said that the closest a person, a servant is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in sajda, is in prostration. So you've, we've done that. So it's a very kind of psychological feeling of submission that you've given to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So kathratus sujood is an indication of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can only do kathratus sujood if you do extra prayer because generally that's where the sajda takes place. That's where the prostration takes place. So a person is constantly in connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through nafil prayers. So, so he, he does his uh, ishraq and chasht and awabin and tahajjud and so on and so forth. Then the third one, out of all of these nafil prayers, the most important is the tahajjud prayer. It's probably, I mean, although it's not mentioned in the books of this thing, but it's probably impossible for a person to become a wali of Allah if he doesn't do tahajjud. I mean, this is probably just from experience, just from observing the awliya of Allah. This is the one time that they get to speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is their highest muraqaba, you can say. Their tahajjud prayer is their highest muraqaba. We're doing our muraqabas to get to that stage. So the person never misses tahajjud prayer. Never misses tahajjud prayer. And if he does, then he feels as bad as he's missed the prayer. Remember, we're starting off from the standard of somebody who does feel bad when they miss their prayer. We're not talking about on... The other level who doesn't even care about their prayer, then where's the hajjud going to come into that? So we're talking from a particular perspective here. So he never misses the hajjud. And if you look at Rasulullah stage, you'll understand this, that Allah had to tell him that I did not tell you or I'm not recommending all of these things to you to make you to be of a burden for you. So what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? I didn't reveal the Quran on you so that you would find you would make it a burden, you'd overburden yourself. Because Prophet was really, he'd really understood the real he had the realization for that. So he was literally being told to take it easy. He was being told to take it easy. You don't have to do that much. You're really fretting a lot. But that just goes to show the high level of love. It's not going to go to waste at the end of the day. It's going to bear its fruits in the hereafter. In this world, the pain is there. But in the hereafter, it's there. So when we can't pray tahajjud, or if we don't wake up for tahajjud, when I say wake up, that's the optimal tahajjud. I don't want, I don't want to put down the other tahajjud, which is the student's tahajjud. Because that's still an effort to do. The person who doesn't want to do tahajjud, he can't make two extra rakats after Isha for that. Try it. The main tahajjud is to wake up and pray. The other tahajjud is to, because tahajjud time starts after your, prayer, after your Isha prayer. right? 
So it's to incorporate with the intention that I'm doing two rakats of tahajjud beyond your sunnat and wajib of Isha to do an extra two rakats. And many of us might think that's cheating, but try it. That's a stage to reach as well. Not, not, many, not everybody can even do the intention of tahajjud after they've done the two rakats of sunnah and with the minimum after Isha prayer. And then I'm going to do two additional rakats. They are heavy to do. They're very difficult. Two extra rakats at night is not easy. You know, you're tired at the end of the day, then doing two extra rakats. Forget night. Even at 8 o'clock, they're difficult. You want to go to eat. You know, because Isha nowadays quarter to 8 in the masjid, for example. Try to do two extra rakats after that. You have to have a routine. You have to have overcome something to do it. Otherwise, most people will not do it. Even though lots of people know that you can do tahajjud at that time, how many people actually make the intention for two rakats of tahajjud to do that? That's why although these things seem very easy, how long does it take to read Suratul Mulk? Less than five minutes. If you know it by heart, less than five minutes. The virtue is known as well, but how many of us can actually do it each night? It's remembering it, it's doing it. We're so busy that we hardly ever get a chance to sit down because if we are sitting down, it's with our phone or in front of the TV. So we don't sit down doing nothing anymore. We're always doing something, but we're not really doing anything. That's the weird life that we're living in. We're always doing something, but we're not really doing anything. Whereas in those days when the lights would have to go out and the only way you could do it is the lamp. You'd have to put an oil lamp on. Then those were better days, I think. It was more difficult. You had to work hard to have light. But then you would value it. Otherwise you'd go to sleep and wake up early. So don't think, I don't wake up for tahajjud. If we're not waking up for tahajjud, don't think, I don't wake up for tahajjud. But rather we should think, Allah does not want to, Allah doesn't like me to wake up at tahajjud. Because he's only going to allow us to do that. Because everything we do is a tawfiq. Everything we do is tawfiq. Even the faraid that we do. Anything we do. Tahajjud is an extra bonus. So if I can't wake up, I shouldn't think, man, I can't wake up, I can't wake up. I should think Allah doesn't want me to wake up. So then, start focusing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Just as uh, children don't tire of ice cream. You give them ice cream all day, they'll eat ice cream. Right? Even adults today, mashallah. You know, ice cream is, you know, it's not a child food. I don't know why we make it a child food. It's just like you don't, you know, nice ice cream. So likewise, the people of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never tire of doing the dhikr of Allah and of the hajjud. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to have that same pleasure that we have in ice cream or any of these other great foods that we like to eat. People, whatever that, their cigarettes, their coke, or whatever it is that gives them the buzz. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us that connection with Him in ibadat and in tahajjud. And there's a number of other signs, inshallah, we will be uh, looking at that uh, some, some other time. I just uh, want to read to you quickly a wasiyat that Uwais ibn Amir al-Qarni, the great tabi'een who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa despite having never seen, mentioned that his du'as are accepted. Uwais uh, al-Qarni, eventually he passed away uh, fighting in the battle of Sifin uh, on Ali radiallahu anhu's side. He was martyred right, in those internecine uh, fightings. But before that, he gave a wasiyah to uh, Haram ibn Hayyan 
another individual. He gave him some advice, some counsel. He said, O Haram ibn Hayyan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's book, the Quran and the Salihin of the believers and the Ahlullah, make sure you continue to adopt their attributes. So learn from them. Adopt the attributes of the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said that those are the people that I have been following all my life. The good people. That's what I've been following all my life. And he said, beware. Another thing is keep moat, death in your mind all the time. And believe me, I think for anybody in this world, Muslim or non-Muslim, you know when they get their life together? Is when they start thinking about death. That's why you have this whole concept of midlife, midlife crisis. But unfortunately, people translate midlife, they deal with their midlife crisis in different ways. When you get to about 35 to 40, and you start thinking, now I'm going to start going downhill. What have I done in my life? If as a mu'min, you'll start thinking, what have I done in my life? Am I close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or not? I've got all of this world, the dunya. I've got everything I want. But have I got Allah? But for other people, they will actually start thinking, well, I need to go and ride motorbikes now. You know, I need to do some daredevil stuff. Or, I, or they have problems with their the wives, they have problems with their husband, husband, generally it's men, men problem with their wives. Uh, women have problems at menopause, it's a different level, right? So they'll start doing some crazy things, they'll look for extramarital affairs, love, and, you know, people translate this thing into different ways. But what is the factor here is mortality. The fact that I'm going to die soon. It's a very important thought. And that's why in a shay we've been told over and over again, think about your death. Think about your death. In fact, what Uwais al-Qadni is saying, and this is obviously he's seen the value, he says that if it's possible, don't forget death even for a blink of an eye. Subhanallah. Don't think of the blink, blink of an eye. He says when you go back to your people, then constantly remind them of the nar of Jahannam, of the fire of uh, fire of hellfire. And the other thing is, don't ever leave the main consensus. Don't become different. Different in the sense of um, from the main Muslim community. Right? This doesn't mean that you can't be more pious or be more uh, more practicing. It's just talking about don't be separate and go against the Muslim community. And if you do that, you will eventually lose your Islam as well. Because Islam is a very social religion at the end of the day. And we take strength from each other. And if we start leaving everybody and we go aloof and different, as people do, they leave the Muslim area and they go and live separately. They lose their kids, they lose everybody in many cases. Unless more people move there and then they make a masjid and then they start a new Muslim community. Otherwise people lose it. This is what happens quite often. Because if you don't do that, you will die and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send you into hellfire. And then after that, he made dua for Haram ibn Hayyan. He made dua for him. He says, Oh Allah, this person has come to me purely for your sake. Purely to satisfy you, he came to me. So this concept of visiting Mashaykh for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's come purely to make you happy. So, look at this. He's saying that in Jannat, make him of those who come to visit me 
make him of those in Jannah who come to visit me. Although as though he knows that he's got Jannah to a certain degree, subhanAllah. Oh Allah, make him satisfied with enough of this world. Make him satisfied and content with just enough of this world that would suffice him. That would be a wonderful dua. That would be a wonderful dua. Then the greed would go from our minds. And Allah, whatever you have given him of the dunya, give him afiyat in it. So don't make it a burden on it. What's the point of having too much that becomes a burden on us? Becomes a liability. And whichever act you've given him the tawfiq to do, whichever practices, good deeds that you've given tawfiq to do, give him the ability to make shukr on them. Because in, in, in there we're asking for increase. Oh Allah, you've given me the tawfiq to do tahajjud. You've given me tawfiq to attend a majlis. You've given me tawfiq to be on uh, to do your dhikr, to do your muraqaba, to do to be on your path. That means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give us more. And accept those practices and make them sa'ya mashkura in the hereafter. Sa'ya mashkura. Attempts and efforts that that are accepted with gratitude in the hereafter. Oh Allah, I am now entrusting him to you. I am entrusting him to you. Assalamu alaikum. Ya Haram, Ibn Hayyan. And he says, now go and don't come back. So this was, uh, the awliya of Allah have their own ways of speaking. They have their own ways of speaking, but we need their du'as. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit um, from the mashaykh that we have living around us, uh, Allah give us a tawfiq to benefit uh, from them and Allah take us close to them. Allahumma anta salam anka salam. Tabarak tayyad al-jalali wa likram. Allahumma ya hayya ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastawith. Allahumma ya hannan ya bandan la ilaha illa anda subhanaka inna kunna minu qalim. Jazallahu anna muhammad ma huwa. Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ala sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallim. اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا الله والله والله accept us for your deen oh Allah make our entire lives and everything that we do for your deen oh Allah purify our hearts oh Allah we ask that you make our hearts the way you want them to be oh Allah we ask that you make our hearts the way you want them to be oh Allah take everything out of it is wrong and that's not conducive for your love. Oh Allah, oh Allah, <coughs> we ask for your assistance in this matter. Oh Allah, we grant, we ask you for your love and the love of those who love you. Oh Allah, we ask for good company in this world. Oh Allah, we ask your protection from evil company, evil influences on us and our progeny, our children, our families, our households. Oh Allah, we ask you for barakah. We ask you for barakah. We ask you for afi in everything that you've given us. We ask you for afi and contentment with everything that you've given us. Now Allah, <coughs> we thank you for it. Allah, we we express our thanks and our gratitude. Oh Allah, don't make us of those who are ungrateful. Oh Allah, protect us from being ungrateful. Protect us from being ungrateful. For you've given us, you've given us abundantly. You've given us abundant. You've given us more than many others in this world. Oh Allah, don't make this source of burden for us. Don't make this source of burden for us. Allow us to use everything in the way that will satisfy you. Allow us to use everything that you've given us, everything at our disposal. Allow us to use it in a way that will satisfy you. Oh Allah, make everything to your satisfaction. 
Oh Allah, protect us from your wrath. Oh Allah, we ask you to protect us from your wrath, from doing anything that will incur your wrath, from doing any sins that will prevent your barakah and your blessing from coming to us, that will <clears throat> take away the barakah and blessing from our lives, that will bring difficulties in our homes, that will bring calamities, that will bring problems, challenges, depression. Oh Allah, we ask that you remove, you remove all of these things and you purify us and you purify us and make us make us pure from all external and internal diseases oh allah you safeguard us you safeguard the muslims around the world you safeguard the muslims around the world oh allah keep us on your path and make us closer to you grant us the kalima la ilaha illallah and make our death a happy one <coughs> One in which we're satisfied with meeting with you and we're longing to meet with you. Oh Allah, grant us shawq ila liqa'ik. Grant us the desire to want to see you, want to meet with you, want to stand in front of you and make that the best day of our existence. Oh Allah, all these challenges we have in the world, oh Allah, remove the obstacles that are in our path from coming closer to you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, accept our majlis, accept the efforts that are being made here on behalf of everyone coming from far and wide oh allah accept this and make this source of blessing for our then the next days oh allah accept us subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursaleen alhamdulillah